0: Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode.
1: And when I found out the facts, About how he would lie to her or use her religion, saying, like, God brought us together. I've never felt this way before. It's clearly grooming. It's clearly manipulation. And all I could think about before the cops came to arrest him was he has ruined everything.
2: Hi, survivors. I'm Tara Newell.
0: I'm Collier Landry, and welcome to the Survivor Squad Podcast.
2: Yay! I'm so excited. (laughs) Today is our first episode. At one point, I thought that maybe this wouldn't happen. Did you, Collier?
0: I always held out the faith. No, I don't know. It's been a while, right? You told me earlier today, it's been, what, a year since we started talking about this?
2: I got a notification on my phone. It was last weekend that yes. we really started talking about things. That's when you came down, we got lunch in Newport Beach, Yep. walked to down Cron del Mar, started talking about the podcast. And it was funny because we were both like, I wonder if this person would want to do this podcast.
0: And what was our common bond? I mean, besides the tacos, because where did we go to? Like this really great taco place. I, I quite enjoyed it. I'm a taco fan, so. And Toro Cinco de Mayo, so it's, of course I'm a taco fan, right?
2: Yes, happy Cinco de Mayo for the people that are out there celebrating.
0: Yes. But
2: it was really great we got to walk, we got to bond about true crime, trauma, our lives, the media, everything, how you've been a child in true crime. I was young, a young adult, we'll say.
0: You know, I had had you on my podcast. I was really struck by how the you did a podcast that then turned into a television show that then made tons of money and how they basically came to you and said you know well tough situation you're you know it was public domain and i just started realizing how survivors in true crime are exploited and you were feeling the same way and we wanted to be able to create a space that was an ethical space for true crime survivors that was non-exploitative because they we were allowing them to tell their own stories about what happened to them
2: yeah so i thought it was great that we thought that we could do a podcast together thought about ethical true crime and then we went and did our research on our own the best possible way to mm-hmm. promote these people's stories to promote survivors stories mm-hmm. because we want other people's stories to be told and we don't want to exploit them we do want to do the best we can for survivors and that is having conversations with them
0: yes absolutely our cases are so extreme you know me obviously dealing with my father murdering my mother and putting him in prison and you being attacked by dirty john Meehan and having to defend yourself and 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 take a life in self-defense we have this really sort of nuanced perspective on true crime and what people go through that I think that fortunately for a lot of other people, they don't really have. And that's a great thing that, that normal people can just listen to true crime. But I feel it's so key to be able to listen to people that have been in the trenches, stared down the psychopaths, stared down the murderers, gotten justice, and and moved on with their lives. And it's so key. And and I think that's what we can really offer.
2: And that's what makes us unique.
0: Yes, absolutely. Besides our wonderful yes. smiles and charm. No, I'm kidding. So we have today <laughs> as our first guest, who?
2: Jennifer Fazin. I'm really excited to have her on because she is a producer as well. And what I drew inspiration from your story was how you took your own narrative. And she did the same in this case.
0: She did. So... She created the Betrayal podcast and it is about, I mean, and, and, you know, you were a big fan of it when she decided to come on the show because you'd listened to every episode and you know, she, she is someone who got married to her college sweetheart up and moved her life from Los Angeles to, to Atlanta and Georgia and really upended her entire life for this guy. And was living what she thought was a fairy tale for five six seven years until one day it all yeah. came crashing down it was one woman or girl unraveling pulling the thread uh, uh, the thread out of the ball of yarn it just kind of all unraveled and led her to find out what trail of deception her husband had been creating and it's just it's un- it reminds me of my mother you know in a lot of ways yeah uh, but i but fortunately jennifer is still with us and uh but we're gonna listen to yeah. her story What do you think?
2: Yeah. So let's get into it.
0: Let's do it.
1: I'm really happy to be here with you guys because um, for one Tara dirty John was a reason that I realized I could turn my story into a podcast so I don't know I know it's a tragic story for you and it's it, it was difficult and everything but it really did give me a place to um, say hey this can bring more education to these types of topics
2: I'm gonna start crying
1: (laughs) really but seriously you guys started it all you know it's the bravery of sharing that story is it it gave me a lot of encouragement and so that's that's why I chose to do mine as well
2: yeah well that's the reason why we did the story is because when we shared we were like okay we don't know what's gonna happen With this but we have a feeling it's going to help other women Mm -hmm. and help other people and just hearing that that's you know that's the reason why i share my story so thank you so much for that
1: of course of course and that's why i hope me sharing my story does the same thing you know just i think when we tell these stories about topics that you don't always hear about or nobody wants to talk about We don't learn about them but when we open up and we share these experiences i feel like we're touching some people out there who feel alone for sure and then you know if we can help at least one person yeah it's worth it
2: yeah it's so worth it well i know you are a producer You've done a lot of great stuff. You've been nominated nominated for three Emmys, and I mm-hmm. think that, that is so awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So
2: why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are as a person?
1: So um, I after I graduated from college, I knew I wanted to get into television. So a few years later, I moved out to L.A. without a job without knowing what the heck i was gonna do i don't even think reality tv existed back then but shows like judge judy and talk shows and things like that were big so i kind of got my foot in the door at judge judy and then just started working my way started working my way up and um after a few years I knew what I wanted to do, and that was work on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. I just knew I wanted to be out there in the field, running around. And so that's really what started all the, the field work that I do, which I just love. I I, I feel more comfortable on set <laughs> behind the camera than anywhere else.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's just like this family feeling too on set
1: isn't there? Yeah. I miss people. I I had a show come, I'm in Atlanta and there was a show that came into town that we did for Netflix about a year ago. And so many people from LA came out and it was like, I was back with my, my family, you know, we all talked the same language and had the same experiences and knew the same people and, you know, knew each other, some of us and Oh, it is, it's like a family. It's the best. I love that. So I was out in LA for about 17 years when my college sweetheart reached out to me and this was the love of my life. Like he was the one that set the bar for any relationship that I ever wanted to have, you know? And so I dated some in LA, but um, when he reached out 20 years later, we just reconnected and it was magical and we both ended up in new york at the same time and that's where we got back together and and started dating again and it was just one of the easiest things that i've ever done because my family knew spence you know i knew him i knew his family there was just this trust and this bond there and so a year later we were married and I I moved to Atlanta to be with him.
2: Oh wow. So I thought I thought you moved to LA or you guys ended up moving to LA later down the line?
1: No, I lived I was living okay. in LA for about 17 years. Um when he reached out to me and okay. he was living in Atlanta, we re-met in New York, reconnected and then um we kept the relationship alive and decided to get married, and I would move to Atlanta because he had kids that he wanted to stay close to, and I completely respected that. so that that's how I ended up here.
2: okay
0: so i want to I want to just offer because I've worked in the entertainment industry, and I know the dating life in l a and I'm sure a lot <laughs> of are, I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, why did you latch on this guy?" Because it's so hard to date in LA and you, you had a real connection with someone you're like, oh, I found somebody because I've been out here in this, in this <laughs> cesspool yeah. of just this quagmire <laughs> of just crazy. The, I mean, dating in LA is insane. It's, and isn't it?
1: I'm glad you guys is. agree. Cause it's.
0: Yeah, And I think it's in, it's the industry, too, as you get involved in these relationships and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can't come on set. And you're like, oh, God, I got to see them. I got to work with this guy for six months. And this right. For six months, like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> for those who are listening, they're going, why would she get a, th- This is why. Because we yeah. look for authentic relationships that a lot of times don't exist, especially when you're in entertainment because nobody gets it either. You get a nice person, and they're like, what, what do you mean you have to go in at 5 a.m.? Like, what do you mean you got to go right. fly off to Amsterdam for three weeks? What are you talking about? Yeah. Is it? And
1: I think, you know, Spence was a video production teacher. He mm-hmm. he also was um, sometimes freelance videographer. And so I think he um, enjoyed that I was in the business, yeah. too. And, you know, tried to kind of understand it and everything. But you're right. It's it's hard to date someone that doesn't get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Dating in LA. No wonder <laughs> I ended up with somebody in Georgia. That's
0: the thing. Exactly. Exactly. And then
1: look what happened.
2: <laughs> well, and then you also dated him a year and a half in college, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, literally, he... Spence set the bar for me when it came to dating because we had such a great relationship in college it was just really healthy and fun and Easy, which I think is really important in relationships
2: and one of the things we talked about When we had our initial conversation of meeting was there wasn't really any red flags with
1: him. No, I'm telling you, you know, I know in your story, you saw the red flags clearly. Um, And a a lot of situations are like that. In my case, I, I swear to you, I never saw any red flags. Even after Spence's arrest, I would go back in my memory and try to think of, is there a single time that you know this makes sense now and honestly i couldn't think of anything yeah wow i couldn't think of anything and and so many people felt that way my family my friends our community you know his teachers that he worked with his bandmates that he played with like everybody i think no i know everybody was completely shocked. This was just the last type of person that you would ever think that would be this way.
0: Wow. So what happened? So what happened?
1: (laughs) Um, It's crazy, the timing of everything because I was driving home to see him. I was coming back from Nashville from a show, coming home to see him. So excited. I walk into the house expecting him to greet me like he always did. And instead, he was just just shaking his head in front of this piece of paper. And for a minute, I thought he was joking. But um, I looked at the piece of paper and it was a search warrant and it said sex and student on it. And I just knew right then, like this is really, really bad. I don't even think that I considered maybe it's not true. You know, I, I I I asked him, is this true? And and he told me yes. And that kind of shock when you're living with someone that you completely trust and you feel totally safe with, totally protected by. But yet he made the conscious decision to commit a crime and prey on a young girl. That's who my husband ended up to be. And then two days later, I'm going through his email trying to help him out and discover about 60 70 other women he was having relationships with adult women
0: wow i
2: I just don't know how someone has that much time
0: yeah right that's what i said about my father i didn't understand he was a doctor i'm like how did he have this much time
1: (laughs) that's the million dollar question and i think that's why um one of the reasons I told my story or, or kind of followed it throughout the podcast, because I was really trying to find out who was this stranger that I was married to for seven years that I was living with. How how was all of this stuff happening without me knowing? And there are just some people that are that good.
2: Yeah, no, I just don't like I- me with my situations, everything that's happened, like John was the serial perpetrator, had multiple women, I think his numbers are like in the hundreds, three hundreds or something like that, where he's been doing this all his life, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so this he's had so many women, and I have women reach out to me on the daily too. sometimes. So I, I just don't understand i have trouble just monitoring one relationship in life and just like balancing that out i'm like okay i need to do stuff for myself how do people have time for this it's like they don't sleep
1: but i slept next to him every night and i know how hard he slept like so there (laughs) is just you know i think something within him that could compartmentalize Okay so
0: he so he was a teacher. He was a high school teacher, correct. And you were on and you were on set a lot were you on location a lot? Is that sort of how this was happening like you would leave town and he would have these rendezvous or was this
1: Maybe in the beginning, I think when I first moved to Atlanta and we got married, I did travel a little bit more for work than I, I normally did. But that was only uh, you know Five weeks here, five weeks here, you know. And when I stopped traveling for work and was working locally, it was still going on. So, you know, he he was just a professional at figuring out how to make it work. But
0: there was, no, <laughs> I'm sorry, there was, there was nothing. There was no, like, where is he at today? Or
1: I'm telling you. Like he was always in touch with me, always letting me know where he was. I never wondered, like, oh, wait, he's not home for dinner, or no, he he kept normal
0: hours. So when he was in school, he was having these relationships. I mean, obviously with the student, with the student, but with with the other women. You said seventy women that he was. Was he? actually engaged in relationships with them
1: i would say maybe not 70 that he actually was in a physical relationship with but some kind of communication sexting all of that as far as the number of women that he was actually sleeping with and having sex with um you know Maybe it's a little less than that, but over a seven-year period, it was. Maybe
0: it it's was, a little less, just like maybe. a little bit, just like just a <laughs> little bit,
2: just wow. a minuscule. Oh my
1: maybe God. it was only fifty. God. No, I don't mean to make light of it either, but no, you know, that's, it, that's at some right point,
0: that's your right to do. It. You're, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I,
1: I, I mean, okay, as a man, like. When you hear this, I'm curious what you think about how he was able to do it.
0: Uh, it, is, it there's two things that are coming going through my head. One is, you said he, he was a videographer into the creative arts. So for me, I'm kind of, and you said he played in a band too. So like, I'm thinking to myself, how do you, like I, I at some point go, do I want to ga- engage in shenanigans or do I want to play guitar? <laughs> or do I want to go out and shoot something that I'm interested in doing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I, 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 I find it very hard to comprehend how there could be these relationships or how they could be giving anything. But my father did this. My father had multiple relationships. Oh, really? Family. Yeah. So, and he was a doctor. And I often think, like, what was he doing? At these time, like, what did these, re- what did these relationships look like? First of all, because if he's married to you and he's having a relationship, what did those relationships, what were those interactions like? Was it just like, hey, meet me at the hotel for an hour and then that's it? Or are they going out to dinner? Or did they just, or is he, how does he explain that away? Did they? I, well, I'll,
1: I'll tell you that I became a detective sure. once he got arrested and I got into his email to try to help him, and I discovered all the other women. Suddenly, I became on, I became, like, I was on a mission to find out everything that I could. I spent hours and hours for probably two years going through everything so I could figure out, you know, how many relationships he was able to juggle at once when were these happening how was it happening you know i just i needed answers not only on who this person was but how did i miss it sure so i became the detective and i would make charts of the women I would see how they would overlap I mean some of these women that he had relationships with they were like three years long And they would overlap with other women that were in three-year Relationships with him
2: and these women probably didn't know there was another woman at all either, right?
1: They did not know I mean they knew he was married Uh-oh. but a couple of the women that I spoke to in the podcast even told me he made me feel like I was the only one.
2: Wow!
0: Hmm. Did he spend? You said he was—he had children, right, from another marriage. That's why he didn't want to leave the Atlanta area.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, what about them? What time did was he was he spending time with his children? With these he other was,
1: women? he was spending time with his kids. I I still to this day think he was a good dad because no, was, he,
0: was were the other women meeting the kids? Was he no playing family? That's that. Okay. So they didn't know like, oh, he's married to mom, but, or Jennifer, but now there's.
1: Yeah. No, he, he didn't. I mean, you know, some of them, because they lived near us or, uh, you know, were involved in something like the air force band that he was into. Um, they knew us and the kids and everything, but, um,
0: he was military.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he joined the Air National Guard when he was like, I think, 39, maybe, 40. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, probably like 38, 39, I think, because of the benefits and all of that. And he was a musician, so he played in the Air National Guard Band, and they were deployed a few times.
0: It, interesting. Did he have a, does he have an arrangement with God? Like, does he get more time? Like, are his days like 30 hours? Like, hey, bro, you're, going, you're on 30. 39 years old, you you're enlisted the card. That's not much off from how old I am. Uh, that's it, it, just, that's. Tara, I
1: love looking at his face when how
0: perplexed he is. I'm completely dumbfounded. I'm sorry. I am no. I am completely dumbfounded. As a, I mean, I'm not, ai I have a lot of plates that are always spinning in the air, but they're always, yeah. they're, they're very benign. They're like, am I going <laughs> to make this, am i going to do this thing. Am I going to make this thing happen? Like, you know, it's, it's never like, how can I play one, like one woman and I, she better not, it's a lot of stress. Collier it's... is
2: also not the average male. Collier, I feel like you are very like respectful of women. You have sure. a lot of women friends, like, you know, you're not like, you don't need to go after women
0: like no. i'm not like, a predator
2: <laughs> women kind of hey. just come to you <laughs>
0: well
1: that's that was my ex's excuse that he never sought after anybody that they always came on to him
0: that's a that's a poor excuse, but okay. I mean,
1: come on. He that is... called like they
0: call the ultimate narcissist. He's <laughs> a predator. A <laughs> he's a predator.
2: Well, I mean, like, 60, 70 women just don't come on to you. Unless, <laughs> like, you're Brad Pitt, you know? Or, right. You know? Unless you're Collier and you have a YouTube following. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> or you
0: have these crazies that slide into your DMs, and you're just, like, I mean, I guess that you're engaging, but I just... It's a lot, that's a lot of energy to put towards something that is not productive yeah. in your life or the life of the people around you. That's just yeah. my opinion. It just yeah. makes, doesn't make a lot of sense. Call me old fashioned. <laughs> old make fashioned. A lot of sense. I'm a single guy. I don't have like, I don't have kids. Like I can't even imagine in dating some being in a relationship with one person and then then trying to have these, pl- these plates spinning in the air. I don't know. It's
1: Many just- plates spinning in the air
0: at yeah. the same
1: time you're married you're teaching you're in the air force you have kids you we have had an a, ex-wife <laughs> we had a wine bar for a while in town that he was basically using as his brothel
0: oh okay. and never so got that,
1: caught
0: got it so go in the back office we'll just i mean who are these women too like i kind of like mm-hmm. like, who, like Hey, let's go sneak in the back of the wine bar and get a, I
1: mean. I know. But I, I think that, and I spoke to a couple of the women in the podcast because um, I wanted to hear what they knew about this person. Because yeah. they saw a completely different side of him than I ever did. And what was it about him that would persuade them to go in the bathroom at the bar and do stuff? And so that gave me a lot of insight into the predatory behavior and and just that, that sickness of the mind and, and how he would lie and manipulate. And yes, there were many adult women, but I always come back to the high school student.
0: No, that's where I was gonna, get, like, so adult women, was there, there was just one high school student?
1: That I knew of at the time. Since the podcast came out, we've had a lot of people write in that did have him as a teacher and have expressed that there were some of those awkward moments, I guess we could call it. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been doing this for a long time.
0: Yeah. 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 So that was ultimately... so it's always in in my opinion when I look at these types of things it, it's you know it's the old it goes back to the old adage right you know, pigs get fat hogs get slaughtered mm. and it's and it's always like you're you're so greedy and it's like oh now let me let me try this with my underage student and that ultimately is leads to their downfall
1: yeah I think you know the only way I can I guess describe it is that it's like a drug addict in a way Where you start out with just a little bit of something and then you need more and more and more to get the high again. And I feel like it was the same thing with him, with Spence, that it was, it probably started out more slowly, but then it was, it took so much to satiate him.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. And then... If I'm not mistaken, when I was listening to the podcast, there was a lot of girls that graduated from class of 2010 talking about this. Mm-hmm. And that's my age. That's my class. So I'm really. Yeah. So I'm thinking back, wow, I've all I've been removed from high school for so long. Mm-hmm. And now these girls are going through that experience that trauma really stays with you for a long time.
1: Yes. Yes. And that's why I think it's important to tell these stories Yeah, because we also got a lot of letters saying I had no idea what this behavior is that I was experiencing with my teacher, my coach, you know, whoever it is. So I think we've been able to shed some light on, you know, Spencer was teacher of the year two or three times in the last, you know, 8 years. I mean, he was beloved at his school. Everybody just thought he was the most wonderful person. So, you know, to find out that that was such a front. It was it was devastating to a lot of people.
0: So you said you're so you come home from Nashville he's standing there with a piece of paper that's a search warrant what is the search warrant for your home for hard drives for
1: so the police came to our house with the search warrant and nobody was home so they knocked down the front door our we had like double front doors and it was split down the middle because they had to break-in, basically, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the, the search warrant was for hard drives, um, handwriting samples, and a pair of his underwear.
0: Wow, and they said so they gathered all that. They
1: gathered all that, they left, and then in that time, Spence came home, he saw the search warrant. I don't know how long after I got home, maybe 30 minutes, and that's, you know when I found out and then 20 minutes later, the cops were back at our house coming in the front door to arrest him. And it was the last time I ever saw him.
2: And how are you wow. feeling with all this?
1: At the time or now? Both. Um, you know, having sex with a 16 year old is so deplorable to me a grown man and when i found out the facts about how he would lie to her or use her religion saying like god brought us together Mm. i've never felt this way before it's clearly grooming it's clearly manipulation and all i could think about before the cops came to arrest him was he has ruined everything everything his everything. life her life our lives
0: its children's lives the community Yes, this is the thing that inspired me to make my film right was the you know, the consequence and this isn't this was just sexual violence right but you know it's the consequences of people's actions of violence of of the what they do the ripple effects. It doesn't just affect you and your marriage and the girl. Like it's it's just exactly. <clears throat> and exactly. That's the devastation, the destruction, how destructive these people are. That's right. Seventy other women. Seventy other women yeah. are involved and, in this now.
1: And the ones that I spoke with on the podcast, I mean, it had been I think three years. They were still feeling shame. They were still hurting. From what they had experienced with this person. And yes, the adult women had a choice in all of this, but still, he was so deceptive that he made them do a lot of things that they probably never thought that they would do and feel ashamed of now. So, fortunately, I think some of those talks with them helped, you know, relieve a little bit of that. Yeah.
2: Well, I thought it was really interesting when you had on the grooming expert, because it talked about how even in their situation, it was grooming itself.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, there are different terms for everything. And I know a lot of people were like, well, grooming is for the underage victim. You know, grooming an adult, it can't be. But whatever you want to call it, it's still manipulation. It's still lying and yes they had a right to consent unlike the student did um but he was still feeding them so much bullshit and and he was telling them that there were problems with us so that also kind of helped justify i think some of the of course,
0: affairs. Of course he was of course come on yeah oh I'm yeah. i think i'm going to leave my i'm i'm going to leave her i'm trying to figure it out It'll be. I mean, this is what my father did, right? You know, I'm, we're we're separated. We're not sleeping together. Right. We're. we're She's I'm gonna such figure a bitch. it out. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm gonna figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, just I, I, you know, we're estranged. And there's all. I think always in these situations, there's always like a little seed of truth to them. Obviously, where they'll take they take the one little kernel of like, oh, we're fighting because maybe you got in a fight the night before about. Oh, right you, put the, you didn't put the ketchup away honey oh we're <laughs> fighting so that's their thing They like they use these just little yeah. things because that helps them justify because it has to come from some sort of place of reality for them i to guess sort of, yeah i think you know my father would do that i think uh you know everything that i've learned in doing this, this work is that there's always something that they can pull from which adds that just slight bit of authenticity mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. makes people believe them yes isn't it
1: crazy That's to like an actor
0: pulling from yeah. like an actor pulling from a, an experience to play a character? That's right. Like, oh, I did I had that situation happen. It wasn't that extreme, but I can pull from that mm-hmm. and use that to make this person right yeah. believable.
1: And and to be able to compartmentalize that much to leave in the morning with sometimes a sex date before school with some woman and then to be texting throughout the day and sending pictures and receiving pictures and then meeting someone in the afternoon to have sex with you know it, it, it's just I, I don't know i just don't understand it
0: he's a regular casanova like let's have the quickie rendezvous in the and the in by the in the park behind the dumpster. I mean, like,
1: literally, wow. what a fairy tale! <laughs> literally, I saw I I found photos of no women in his car with him doing stuff. He was in a running club, and so after they would go on their run, they only had the car, so they would. And he'd take pictures and save them and all that.
0: That is an addiction.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But then it crosses the line when you're involving children.
1: Yes, yes. And he had a daughter and a son the same age as this victim.
0: Okay, so police come, they arrest him and you never see him again. So, and then what happens?
1: Well, they set a $55,000 cash bond or bail, um, which, you that's know.
0: A, you did not pay.
1: No, absolutely yeah. not. I mean, that's a lot of money. There was no way I was going to put up the house yeah, for him. Because it
0: would be, so if that's 10%, so it was a $500,000 bond or whatever. Right?
1: No, actually, it was $55,000 cash. cash. But you never so that means, right? yeah, but that means you can't go and just get the 10%. That means you have to have the whole $55,000. And that, I think, is one of the biggest gifts in this whole story because he never got to come back out. I never had to see him. I never had to deal with him. Um, I didn't have to worry about, like, oh, is he going to get bailed out and want to come back home? It was just all taken away from me, which was definitely one of the best best things that
0: happened. Okay, so this so, <laughs> this makes me think back to my father, and you were just saying because my father was a beloved doctor, so a lot of people didn't believe that my father could do such things. So they started sure. raising money for him. I think his was a million dollars, so or, or five five million. It was something absurd, um, and so that would have been half a million that would have had to have been come up with, uh, and I think they raised like eighty thousand or something. His patients so his patience. yeah 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 so did you do you think that like so he was never released uh he's been in custody since the day he was arrested now did did the because you said he was so loved teacher of the year did the community did people in the community say, there's no way mr spence could do this did they try to rate do fundraisers and bake sales and oh we're gonna get him out i mean was that was there no it didn't
1: it didn't go that far Um, But there were definitely people who didn't believe it was true. Absolutely. And I couldn't really talk about it until he was convicted, which took nine months. So I had to kind of set that part of it, that the crime part of it aside. Um, I think by him staying in jail and never getting out people started to realize that oh this must be you know this must she's be true she's
0: not bailing him out nobody's really coming to his rescue that's right that's that is that is the silver lining in all of this yes because then you didn't have to deal with him the community didn't have a predator out that's right and people saw the forest for the trees that's mm-hmm. what it sounds like there mm-hmm. was there was no you know these people are so good. They're Svengali's, right? They're so good at what they do. Yeah, that I just would have thought that people would have been and He would have been out. Then you were dealing with the monster all over again. That's, yeah, that's and nine months. That's pretty swift, especially nowadays. That's pretty quick to.
1: It sw- seemed so long. Of
0: course, of course. I mean, my father's trial was so. It took six months for him to be convicted, but that was nineteen ninety. So mm. that, I mean, I, you know, this is, this happened when? When, when was 2018. Yeah. So, I mean, you think. You know, he's only no been out of powers. prison. So, so he's, he's out. out now? He is
1: out. Um, he got out, I believe it was August of last year. So August of 2022. And um, he's just out living his life like a normal person i mean he'll it'll forever be changed because he's on a sex offender registry he's on parole but he's the type of person that um i don't know how you describe it but they just can like make a good life out of anything
2: does that make sense yeah they're a chameleon they can fit into (sighs) anything they can make anything out of anything yeah they're just like crafty. They use their craft in a different
0: way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you ever see? Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Talented Mr. Ripley? Yes, a hundred times. A Hundred times. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember the end. Gwyneth Paltrow looks it, at him and just says, "I just, I just don't think that there's, you know, there's ever been a, a, a sunny, a rainy day for you. Has there, or something, something to that effect? Yeah." And you're just and it's just chilling when she says it, just realizing that you're he's just such a good manipulator that, you, that yeah, it always comes up roses.
1: Yeah. It's it's true.
0: And it's it makes true. your stomach turn. Yeah. Uh where is he now? Um
1: I, I think he's living with his brother, which is about an hour away from me, but um there's a chance that he could be moving back in with his ex-wife
0: oh great
1: (laughs) willful
0: ignorance well that sounds like a great situation and
2: that sounds really toxic for the kids too of course
0: it's it's all
1: toxic. This isn't an OK person. I mean, I spent a lot of time asking my therapist who's specialized in betrayal trauma. Does this sound normal? Am I making this into something? Are you gaslighting yourself? Right. <laughs> right. Like, is it really not that bad? And, you know, she has assured me like, yeah, this is a pretty extreme case.
2: Well, I'm like, you sound normal, though, because you sound trusting. You sound like you have a secure attachment, you know, so you didn't get into this like being unhealthy. Just saying that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like one of the reasons that I I love the description of y'all's podcast is that you talk about the triumphs and challenges of survivors. Yeah. And there are triumphs, but there's also a lot of challenges. And it takes a long time to overcome something like this. Yeah. And, and yes. again, I, this is just me speaking for me because this is the person that I trusted with my security, with protection, with everything. The last person I ever thought that would... Betray me So I've gone through that experience and I try not to compare things But you know what the student went through To have this teacher prey on her and she'll have to live with this for the rest of her life, you know that that's My heart goes out to her. She she's the hero in the story because she's the only one that came forward out of the 60, let's say there were 60 different women that he was involved
0: with. Adults. Adults. Yes. And the child. The child came forward. Yeah. I know that feeling very well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, where do you get that bravery? What, What does that come from?
0: It's right. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. Children, I think, when I think back to myself, uh, it's not, I and mean, I wouldn't say it's ignorance or anything like that, it's, it's when you're a child, when you, there's no con, the, like you understand that the consequences of not doing the right thing far outweigh the consequences of, of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you understand. And that's the, and I talk a lot about this when I like speak or, or, you know, especially like to young people is, is the, the, ver- like the, the, lo- you have to look yourself in the mirror. Every day the rest of your life, so you need to make good decisions because that person's not going to go away. (laughs) You know, I I mean, for a healthy person, like that person's not going to go away, and you have to be do something that says, "I can look myself in the mirror." No matter how hard it is right now, you're going to be better off for it. I don't regret anything. Thirty years later, almost, yeah, right, yeah, more than thirty years later. Um, uh, so I, so there, uh, very interestingly, I received a letter from a, from someone who has correspondence with my father and it was dated, it was around the time my film came out, it was November 2018 and he wrote something and I haven't read the entire letter. I just pulled it out of an envelope and I saw this little excerpt. And he was talking about how he saw me on Dr. Phil, talking about my story and how I betrayed him and the family, and how I'm in there making a money grab to betray and ask this person, would your son have betrayed his father like this? This is a man who murdered my mother, who I heard do it, then tried to kill me Oh and I'm God. the reason why he got caught. I mean, you'll see the documentary, but it's basically, I will. Why, you know, I, I don't want to revisit that, but he's right where he belongs. He's still incarcerated. He'll be 80 this year. Um, and I guess my question is with Spence, do you have anything gotten back to you? I mean, obviously this is a very successful podcast. This is, you're doing other things with it. I'm sure there's a book, you know, that did you ever get any feedback of like oh look at this look at this woman look she, yeah she got rich look at jen yeah she's getting oh yeah off me
1: people think podcasts
0: make money <laughs> and oh, it's yeah. like no, but yeah, oh no absolutely oh, yeah everybody we're all rolling in dough I mean, oh right. i became a millionaire no <laughs> i tell i tell them i tell them too i said if you guys can find my father thinks i made 1.6 million dollars off of my off of my documentary and i and i literally want to say to him if you find that i will split it <laughs> right 100 Eight, right. grand on your commissary books right now bro yeah that
1: because will last
0: him forever it would it would it it it. <laughs> and i'll do it with a smile on my face yeah yeah because it is so far <laughs> exponentially i mean it's just it's it's insane but
1: and that's I, okay but it, it, though there,
0: but but it was really it's yeah you don't do it for the money you do it i did it for the i wanted to change one person i wanted to heal yes Myself and change one person's life yes but the thing that i what i'm getting at is does he the indignance of these people would he come back and say look at her look at jen getting rich off me oh uh, look at her off pri- off my trauma look at what what was done to me and they, they play the victim role did that happen
1: Well, so the last episode of the podcast, I speak with him while right before he was released from prison and he still takes no responsibility in what he's done. I think he has somehow. Pardon? Was he was he set up? No, he wasn't set up, but it was consensual. Like I said before, all these women came on to him. He never went after them that was his story
2: do you think he really believes that or do you think it's something he just tells people
1: i i really think that he is trying to convince himself of all of this stuff so that he doesn't realize what
0: a terrible person he is for doing this yeah you you, when you see my film you're going to feel right at home. Oh, uh, I can't wait. <laughs> I swear to God, you're going to listen to my father because I confronted him in prison. Oh, I'm you did? Saying, oh, it's the, it's, the, it's the grand finale of the, right. of the whole thing. Because I spent, I became, I became a filmmaker to tell the story. There's a whole reason I have a career here. I literally left my small town. I want to go where nobody knows me. 2,000 bucks in my pocket. I'm going to go figure it out. I don't know a single person and that's the best thing Mm-hmm. and i'm going to figure out a way to become a filmmaker and tell this story and and do this and do make art and do, you know what i mean right to heal myself and help other people yes and, all and of it so that became a thing but but it all i mean i teed it all up because i had a relationship with him for 26 years prior mm-hmm. to going into the to, to going into the prison and working with the production facility in the prison that did all the production work for the state of ohio to be able to to be able to to, to to get a hold in there. So, okay, I can, I, I know I can film in here. I know I have mm-hmm. a good rapport with people. And and again, the, the level of denial, like when you see it, you'll go, oh, that's, that's gotta be Spence. I, but you said it was, consensual, it was consensual. So what does he say about sleeping with a, a minor? No, that's what he was talking <laughs> like, about. But, but, but that's unbelievable to me. Yeah. Like, but don't you understand that's a child? Right. Ch- <laughs> they can't consent. They <laughs> cannot consent. They don't know what they're doing. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at that age. No. And if some,
1: you know, handsome 49-year-old teacher when I was 15, 16 years old told me that, like, he's never felt this way. I I mean, I remember what I was like as a high school student. It's so impressionable. And you want attention. and And... But yeah, he doesn't. Um, I don't think he holds himself responsible for much no, of it. Stuff, no. And 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 he's basically just said, I, "I hope everybody just moves on."
0: Oh yeah, it's very convenient, right?
1: <sighs> Until you marry a reality TV
0: producer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everybody moves on. <laughs> uh, can just, we all just move on? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just let the fact that both of you guys have narrated and produced your story because that's something that i haven't been able to do and i think that's really just encouraging and i think that's where true crime needs to start their standards at Mm -hmm. because for you guys to go through the narrative it's even a different healing process i feel
1: that that makes sense yeah because you were more i feel like interviewed for the Dirty John podcast.
2: Well, it was supposed it, to be a series of newspaper uh, articles. So it was just Christopher Garf- Garfield or Garfield. <laughs> Christopher Garford was recording it just for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Like none of it was supposed to be a podcast.
1: Isn't it crazy how that happens?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now you talk about a podcast that made millions.
1: Oh, yeah. Tara, you must be rolling in it
2: apparently the internet says I have 3.5 million and I'm like, Oh, I would really appreciate that when I'm overdrafted.
0: (laughs) Right. When I'm trying to buy groceries, she's also willing to split that with whoever finds that. Right. Right.
1: (laughs) I know I I've heard, you know, Oh, she did it for revenge. She did it for the money. She's exploiting these people. Nope. Nope. You did to move on. I did it to heal and move on and try to help others heal and just to make somebody else out there listening feel less alone. Yeah. Because don't you guys feel like you feel really alone when you go through something like this?
0: hundred percent
2: the only person with like a true crime story out there until I started meeting like other people like Collier and Lenora Claire and then I started meeting other people and I'm like oh I'm not the only one where it's kind of funny because it knocks you off of your ego in a sense but then you're also like oh I have this community
1: yeah yeah yeah
2: you
1: know it's just that feeling of isolation and like can anybody understand what i'm going through and did anybody get through something like this
2: yes
1: so when you you can find those stories of healing and of survivors it just gives you it it empowers you
0: yes it does yes it does
2: i agree
1: look at all of us we took our narrative back yeah you know that's that's huge
0: have you forgiven
1: him that's an interesting question um do i forgive him that's like no i i don't he consciously did this he knew he had an issue when he asked me to marry him when he asked me to come to georgia when we were living under the same roof and we had become a family he consciously made a decision every single day to betray our our relationship and to do sinister things sinister acts so i don't i don't hate him but i I know this is going to probably have a lot of people yelling at me, but I, I don't forgive him. No, I don't. I, n- not because I'm holding on to it. It's just he made a h- huge mistake, many of them. And I, I don't know. I just no. I, I can't say that. Oh, it's OK. Yeah, It's not.
2: Well, that's yeah. OK, because that's your choice and that's your healing process and it's no one else's
1: yeah and i don't i i'm not stuck in this unforgiving place no, no. yeah i've moved on i just you know
2: he doesn't deserve it
0: it's, no it's interesting yeah. Yeah, well, the, the that's sort of where i argue to with the you know and and people are going to excoriate you one way or the other if you forgive him you're they'll excoriate if you don't you know i because i i for a long time you know people said do you forgive him i said yeah they said well how can you do that how can you go through that i said because it's not about him (laughs) it's about me Mm-hmm. Like just because you forgive somebody doesn't mean you accept what they did. Right. You 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 somehow it it somehow it it it, it makes it all okay. <laughs> um you you exonerate them. You say, "Oh, it's water under the bridge." You just go, "This will no longer have power over me." Right. So you might not be saying to me that you don't you you're saying I don't forgive him, but you have because you've literally said this has no power over me. Yes. And you're, that is forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to, and I think it, it, a lot of people so so often mistake th- those two things that forgiveness is somehow acceptance or, or yeah. acknowledgement of like oh it's okay no it's not okay right you're terrible you're a terrible person and I don't like you yeah but I forgive you because this yeah. has nothing this is I've moved on <laughs> like
1: and maybe that's part of it I just don't want to ever condone the behavior.
0: exactly exactly and you're not you're not by saying that but i get Mm -hmm. because you have you've done the work enough to say you might not call forgiveness but you've been like i'm releasing this from me just as you're like oh he's moving in with his wife and oh look he's always lands on his feet there you go Mm -hmm. yeah that's fall out of buildings all the time and somehow survive
2: Yeah, you never want to say forgiveness in court either towards the perpetrator because <laughs> right in my grandma's case, that's what got my, um, this guy that killed my aunt two and a half years in jail. So you never want to say that in court either.
1: <laughs> that you forgive them? Yes. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's
0: again, I'd I glad to land on his feet as well. Lives a great life. Nice big house.
1: Isn't it crazy?
0: It's insane. White picket fence. Literally. White picket fence. Yep. Crazy. No acknowledgement of the destruction that they've done to their two sons, the destruction to the family. None of it. No. No accountability, no no responsibility.
1: And that's the saddest part of everything. I think I feel like had he in that last conversation i had with him said yes i realize i have serious problem i'm going to get as much help as i can because i know that when i get out you know there could be those temptations there anything like there is none of that none of it none of it and without even realizing that you have an issue, how are you ever gonna overcome it?
0: Yeah. They don't want to. Yeah. Well, they don't it's... want to. My father still blames me. Blames you? And... Yeah, uh, 100%. 100... I ber- betrayed him. <laughs> Murdered my mother, buried her under a house oh in God. another state that his girlfriend and him bought. She forged my mother's name. I'm the one that found the house. Uh, It's (laughs) betrayal. Yeah. I'm the bad guy.
1: So Tara, in your situation, because of what happened with John, how is it with your, did she um, blame you for destroying that relationship or anything between them?
2: Oh no. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, I think my mom would be, well, I mean, there is a point where there is, you're going through, I'm not sure if you felt this way, but when she was going through learning everything that John was doing, there was a little, like, jealousy in a sense, where it was like, oh, he was with her, he was with her, like, what about me? And I I do understand that completely because your whole reality is changing in that moment where you're realizing the one true love that you thought you had is with so many other people. And so now your whole world is coming down. And I think that that was so hard for her to go through and Mm -hmm. see that like all these other girls are not like her either. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's hard to kind of step away and forgive and be like, oh, it's all to do with him. But you kind of have to go through the steps and the motions before you're like, it's all him. Because your trust, your learn, your heart, your brain is everything is telling you to trust him, mm-hmm. even though your reality is telling you that this is not true right now.
1: And also, you know what's real i mean suddenly everything that you know yeah your life as you know it as you've been living it is completely just devastated and and your mind is like trying to figure out wait a second i've been living in this farce for seven years
2: right And then I don't know about you, but it was like, what is even the next step to do? What, like, where do you go from here? Mm -hmm. You're like, you're in shock. And you're just like, I don't know the next steps to life even.
1: Right. I don't know the next steps to life. That's exactly how it was. And thank goodness I had a friend who had. Gone through um, a cheating partner and found this betrayal trauma expert in LA and introduced me to her Because putting a label on what I was going through Helped me so much. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but just having something defined
2: Yes Yeah,
1: you're going through trauma
2: Or you know for me it was the trauma bonding understand how my mom got attached to him even because there was resentment with her because this guy tried to kill me. And so you have to understand the full effects of what happened
1: to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It messes with your brain. Oh, yeah. And I don't think people realize that. But trauma literally messes with your brain.
2: It changes the chemistry 100%. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: It changes the chemistry.
2: Yes. And so, yeah, no, you're living in the four Fs. You're living in the fight, flight, freeze, fawn response. Mm-hmm. And so, or, you know, a lot of people are trying to also change the fawn response to appease response. So just making that apparent to everyone. But there's the responses that you're always constantly living in now because you're now in the survival mode with everything.
1: Hmm. Yeah. 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 And, you know... I love what you guys are doing because you talk to different people who have who are labeled a survivor from all different circumstances. True. Sure. One of the things that I realize is that there's not you don't have to compare people's trauma like oh what what she went through was so much worse than mine or what he you know or this you you don't have to compare them i'm a survivor because i had trauma in my relationship and it wasn't the same as the student it wasn't the same as what each of you went through but it was my own survivor story and how i was able to deal with this this blow that happens
2: yeah yeah
0: hey, you got rug pulled that's one of mm-hmm. the worst things is when you get rug pulled you know uh in 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 life and and and, and the dis the deception the the the, the sh- you know the shame and the uh, how why didn't i see this coming why did not i do that you know because of course everyone's going everyone's an, you know a monday morning quarterback in these situations mm-hmm. right oh she saw it come <laughs> I don't believe right. her. She just was too ignorant. To say, oh, she sees. She thinks she knows everything. I mean, this is, so, I it's, it's, this is what I would have done. This is what I would have done. Everybody. Oh, really?
1: Okay. <laughs> Get in my situation and tell me what you would have
0: done. It, it's, it, 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 it's so. It's so. You know, and it's and it's unfortunate because I'm sitting here with two women, and it's it's always the women. It's it's not like they they don't align with you and go, "Girl, I got your back." They're like, "No, I did this," and it's like. It's like, you know, that some men are absolutely no good, that some people are absolutely no good. You know, you've had that experience. How could you not see this? Oh, that didn't happen to me. And it's really because it's, if, you, if they start to identify with it, then it really hits home. That's why mm-hmm. I think that there's, you know, Tara and I have discussed a lot with ethics and true crime. It's easier not to pull the word of the day, excoriate uh, the survivors and the people that have made it through, but put the serial killers on a pedestal.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's
0: no. because because that is so far out of their reach, you know, Alec Murdoch's getting getting love letters in prison. That's so far out of reach. But oh, it's their fault. It's this person. It's it, oh, it's the victim's fault. It's blame the victim. And, and don't it's, you and it's and I'm tired of it. Yeah, I'm tired of it. I, Me like, too. People say, Oh, your mother knew better. Your mother stuck around for the money. Oh, your mother said no. And It was one of the things when I made the documentary, I found out that my mother put my father through medical school. My father used to ride that. Oh, I did this for the family. Bullshit. Yeah. You're full of it. Yeah. Liar. You and know?
1: I don't know how you guys feel, but um, a lot of these topics that, that we, we discuss and we've experienced get swept under the rug. Yeah. People don't want to talk about it. They <laughs> it just want to sweep it under the rug.
0: Because it hits too close to home. Because they could go, oh, that would have been me. I see that, and I, even outside, side the, the louder that they're they're chanting, "Oh, I wouldn't have done it," the more they're the more they're actually confirming, like, "Oh yeah, I would have been fucked."
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: I just see the bravery in sharing our stories. You know, um, I, I'm not I'm not yeah. gaining anything from sharing my story except hopefully, somebody helping. Else. Yeah, helping someone else.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I see this a lot, you know, I, I've got up on the soapbox, I, I, you know, I, I have my own personal experience with it, right, and the shame and all that. But, like, when I, when I see people talk to Tara, the things they say to Tara, oh, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of, and, and, you know, I would say that the overwhelming support is, is, is overwhelming and supportive of all of us, right? But there are people that are like, oh, I would have done things, like, oh, she should be in jail for him. She killed him. She did this and that. What, so what was she supposed to do? Just was she supposed to, to to stand there and let him kill her? <laughs> Would that, would that have been what you would have done? Would that right. have been what you wanted your daughter to do or your son? That's right. Yeah. Oh, no? Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> you know,
2: and a lot of the people excoriating us as well are people, I like I went back through my messages and I started replying to people about their stories and I had a lot of responses of don't ever contact me again um, because they're still in that relationship.
1: Mm. yeah yeah
2: you know and so yep. we really bring this awareness to them and if that person's not ready to leave that relationship they're not ready and it sucks yeah it sucks on everyone's part guys yes <laughs> it
1: does yes yeah but we can bring light to truth and we can talk about how hard it was yeah to get through it yeah you know again i come back to what you guys said the triumphs and the challenges of being a survivor i mean for me i think there's a lot more challenges than triumphs so far
2: (laughs) well i feel i don't know for me but i'm or for you guys but i'm really blessed that my trauma happened because of the awareness it brings and also just the community it brings. Yes. Yeah. And I was a toxic person, not knowing how to cope with stuff. And then my trauma happens and then I get therapy and I get help. <laughs> I know
1: that's how I feel too. I mean, now I'm like, this happened to me and, and look what I did with it. I've grown yeah. so much as a person and, you know nothing is perfect life is certainly not perfect um but i've grown yes yeah and i also realized it wasn't my fault i was not part of the problem and i can't fix it yeah so you have to let it go at some point
2: so true well on that note jennifer where can we find you on social media where can we find the podcast the betrayal
1: so Betrayal is anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um it's on Apple Podcasts. iHeart distributed it. So it's there. It, anywhere you you can listen to podcasts, you'll you'll see Betrayal. So yeah, it's um you know, coming from a producer background, I chose to explore some topics that I think um Might have been taboo for some people, you know, I I talked with the student the victim I spoke with a couple of the women, you know, I wanted to do that myself. It really was my journey to healing and um, I, I think we captured it pretty well.
2: I Honestly thought it was really great produced and I've heard from other people as well about the podcast and how great it was produced So kudos to that.
0: Well, thank you
1: again you are my inspiration.
2: <laughs> That's
0: amazing. Well, as I always say to Tara, we're, we are all part of a squad that no one really wants to be a part of. Oh. We're all a part of the Survivor Squad. Jennifer Faison, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you guys so much.
0: So we want to say thank you so much to Jennifer Fazen for joining the program. We will have links in the show notes of today's episode where you can find her and listen to her podcast, The Betrayal.
2: Until next time, Survivors, I'm Tara Newell.
0: And I'm Collier Landry.
2: And this is The Survivor Squad.
0: The Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad.